tell you what, editing in your laughter to my stories is just such a pain. <laughs> it must take so long. Would you like us to do some laughter track for you? Yeah, actually, just oh, have yeah, that. Yeah, we could. Like different yeah, we'll laugh Welcome to Tish and Piffle. It's been a month almost exactly since we finally, belatedly, eventually joined the podcast revolution, adding to the estimated 800,000 offerings out there and joining such podcast legends as Talking Pork, This Week in the Garden, Fundamentals of Urban Drainage and, of course, Inside Lacrosse. It couldn't have been done without the tireless efforts of our huge backroom staff of planners and researchers. I'll name them all. Alice, Sean and Dave. Um, Guys, I'm slowly (laughs) getting over how on earth we managed to actually get this done. Now I'm just enjoying the ramshackle nature of it. What exciting weeks then have you all had in partial lockdown England? I think Alice is still reeling from your last comment, to be honest. I just can't believe you called us backroom staff. (laughs) I'm just so upset that that is what I've been reduced to. I'll re-record it for the actual podcast later, don't worry. No, keep it in. I think you should show everyone. The contempt that you hold us in. Yeah, what you think of us. Once again, a joke gone wrong. (laughs) We keep it as evidence. (laughs) And don't just edit in our laughter for that bit. So what have you been up to? I've played some tennis this week, actually. Um, It's one of the few sports we're allowed to do now. So, um, yeah, Wednesday morning, we got down to the tennis courts um, and I didn't hit my partner in the head, which is something that I regularly do when we usually play tennis. Um, So that was a win for me. But yeah. With the the racket or the ball? Oh, no, with the ball. With the ball. Yeah, I I have a habit of sort of serving straight at him. Um, It's not intentional. It just sort of happens. Um, so I won't be em- entering myself in for any sort of tournaments in the future. But um, yeah, I'm really enjoying the kind of new found freedom, I guess, that we've got um, now. Being able to do a bit more exercise and being able to see a few more people as well, which is nice. So yeah, I think on the whole, it's been a good week. Yeah, so I uh, met a friend yesterday in the park at a social distance, uh, which was very nice. But it was a bit weird because we sort of sat either end of a park bench and uh, had a little like G&T out of a can and it just felt a bit uh, it was a bit sort of seedy really it reminded me of like sitting in parks as a teenager you know <laughs> with cans of cider or something it is quite strange now because you kind of you dress up don't you to go and sit in a park like you kind of make it make an effort and you do feel like you're sort of 16 again <laughs> I mean I don't make an effort but maybe some people do <laughs> still haven't worn makeup in eight weeks but you know <laughs> but no I mean it was nice to see her uh, but it was still a bit weird because we couldn't like hug goodbye or anything so it was a bit sad but um, I'm pleased I at least got some human different human contact for once so that cheered me up this weekend I actually took the boat for the first time in months out on a little cruise up and down the canal in the glorious sunshine which was pretty lovely and uh, attempted to film it did a five hour jaunt which is more than I usually do and got all the way back only to discover I hadn't turned the microphone on Oh dear, we haven't haven't had that yet. I wonder when the first one of that 
is going to happen in this podcast. Very soon, I think. <laughs> it, it did nearly happen because my microphone was on mute before I came in this call. Dave, I actually watched um, a little bit of your video. I found it very relaxing, actually. It was almost like I was sort of on the journey with you. I really oh, enjoyed good. it. Thank you. Yes, everyone should watch. I just wanted to say I got someone else's vulnerable person food parcel delivered on my doorstep. Oh, no! <laughs> Are you sure it was someone else? At first, I thought it was a genuine mistake and I had that ethical dilemma as to whether I kept it or raided it of the good bits. The good bits were a packet of pasta and a loaf of bread, but there were lots of things I'd never eat. There were sort of hula hoop type things and pineapple in jelly. I don't think I've ever had that. Mm. You can send that over this way. No, that sounds horrible. But it turned out to be the same named street a few miles away and they were genuinely vulnerable people. So my kindly neighbour took it to them and all was well. Last week, we talked about all the holidays we'd love to go on and ended up yearning for a weekend B&B break in Marbella, where Sean could consume several carafes of wine, which is what apparently she does on holidays, so she tells us. My friend went on a Mediterranean holiday with his mates once. There were about 10 of them, and they had T-shirts printed, and each individual T-shirt had sort of one or two letters on it. And when the whole gang stood together, it spelt the Dangerous Brothers, which I'm sorry, but that's really funny. I feel we should have some kind of group T-shirt thing going as well, but I've not actually been able to think what the name of our gang would be. Or we could get matching tattoos. That would be like a proper holiday. It must have to be quite a short name since there's only four of us, so if you're going to go with the letter thing and we're going to have to stand together. It it can't be the narrowboat kids because only one of us is actually on a (laughs) narrowboat. To be fair, I've just realised, if we went for the first initial of all our names, it spells out dads. <laughs> <laughs> then we look like some sort of protest group that go and stand on roofs. <laughs> I'm reading a book where they created something called the, uh, the police force created the special homicide investigation team and didn't realise it's stupid <laughs> shit. Oh no. <laughs> Well, have a think about that. Maybe some of our listeners might have an idea of what we could print on the back of our T-shirts. I was going to say, we can't go on holiday, but nor can we grace the playing fields of England. No team sports are around. No mass participation events are allowed either. So in a kind of wistful way, once again, we're going to talk sport and leisure. I'm going to ask... First team, did any of you play sports at school? Quite the opposite, no. In fact, I was quite special in so many ways at school (laughs) that uh, I went for a while to a a private school just for a few years and obviously they were obsessed with sport. They loved it, they competed in all these leagues and each year, I, I seem to recall, got grouped into Group A was the really good sporty ones. They were the ones who, you know, played all the games of the school. Then you had Group B and Group C and then finally... There were three of us who were the wimpy kids, the, the nerds, boys. the geeks. And just the three of us were so bad and so uninterested in the sport. We had our own group, Group D, for sport. Uh, and we would just go and kick a ball around rather lacklusterly for about half an hour before eventually giving up. And we were just left to our own devices because they knew it was no good trying to encourage us. or even They never even bothered testing me 
from my abilities at sport to see if I might have made the giddy heights of Group C. They just looked at me and said, you're in Group D. Were you at an all-boys school? <laughs> no, no, it was mixed. Imagine the, uh, the heroism of, of being in Group D and the, the appeal that gave me. But I feel I'm still in Group D in life. Oh, yes, so, so am I. I'm still there. I've not moved on. If it helps, um, I had a similar experience. I was terrible at sport and um, my only sort of good sport, I like to say I was good at it. I wasn't really good at it. I just enjoyed it. Um, but we had a similar group. We used to call ourselves um, the reject rounders group. And um, we just used to go and play rounders in the fields. Um, and uh, we weren't very good at it. But I think a lot of it just involved kind of going very far out and just sitting down and enjoying the sun. Um, and occasionally someone would... Someone in the group would hit, would hit a ball, and that was very exciting. But most of the time, I think everyone just missed. I had a similar thing in the, the summertime when, again, they, they took one look at me and said, well, there's no put, putting you on the cricket team. But what I did manage to bag was the job of cricket scorer. So I would go and sit in that little wooden shed to the side of the uh, pitch <laughs> with a paper and a pencil and gently mark down the fours and the runs and the outs and everything. And I became a master of marking little X's in little squares. And that was really my sporting triumph. I went to a boys' school um, which refused to play football, which is the only sport that most of us wanted to play. I was terrible at rugby, uh, really bad at rugby, and worse as I got older because I wasn't really big enough to play it. And they also played field hockey, which I hated then. And I hate now. And I still think, what's the point of playing a game where surely the percentage of people who go on to play after school has got to be about 0.0001%. Although I did write that on Facebook once and a friend of mine got back and said, oh, I love hockey, I love it. <laughs> the only people who love hockey are the people who are good at hockey. Our school was obsessed with that. It's weird, isn't it, how at um, some schools you do end up doing sports that you know no one ever really would go on to play professionally like I think ours was rounders for the girls and it was rounders netball and hockey and yeah I just don't I know netball is really really popular now and hockey has gained some following since the um the 2012 Olympics but yeah I mean I don't know anyone in my school who went on to play that professionally it was very strange I always loved the very inventive way that boys had to get out of sport I do remember that we used to have to run up a really big hill and the brave ones would just get on the bus at the bottom <laughs> and wave at us on the way up. And I always wanted to be, you know, one of those boys who was brave enough to do it, but I always wheezed my way up the hill instead. Well, I was so good at getting out of doing sport at school that I managed to uh, enrol myself in a course which was called a sports leadership course which basically you could do instead of doing normal PE. So instead of having to go and play like hockey and football and stuff, you could uh, do this sports leadership course. And it was great because there were loads of different sections of things that you had to be able to achieve to prove that you'd be an adequate sports leader. And there was a whole section on blowing a whistle. So it was great because I could spend a whole hour. I could spend a whole hour blowing a whistle rather than having to play football. So in my mind, it was great. And I ended up with a qualification out of it. I can't confess to have ever used it since. How many um, different ways are there to blow a whistle? Can I just ask? <laughs> oh, there's like a long blow. There's a short blow. There's obviously the wolf whistle, which is frowned upon. The wolf whistle? But... Is that an official whistle term, is it? I thought that was just made up. <laughs> 
Also, what's the governing body of sports whistling? I don't, I don't know, actually. It's just a, called a sports leadership course. I think there is actually a company that's called Sports Leaders. I don't know if they've developed it or updated it since, but I would like to know about um, what the rules are of blowing a whistle. I love that someone told you you were going on a course and you believed them. <laughs> do you do you have a whistle to hand anywhere? Because I feel like we need a... I'd love a demonstration. Yeah, Maybe it? next week of like the different different kind of whistles. New question now. As you get older or as you got older, did you find yourself either taking up sport or trying any kind of hobbies? We'll we'll branch out into sport and leisure here. Um, no, so actually, even though I uh, wasn't a big fan of sport at school, as I sort of got older, I've gotten like a lot more into it. Um, it might be because I was vain. And when I started going to university and drinking and eating a lot more, I started putting on weight and I thought, oh, I need to stop putting on weight, really. So I started running. Um, and then I actually found out that I quite liked it. So I've actually carried on running and I even ran a half marathon a few years ago. Um which was really good, but I still don't think I'd do it again because it was really hard, but I'm still pleased that I did it. And I've kind of kept it up since. So um, yeah, I'm sort of really into sport now and I go to the gym regularly and stuff like that. Um, So it's really good. It makes me feel really good and it makes me feel better about myself. And I can't imagine not doing sport now. So to think I was such an unruly teenager and lazy is a bit weird, really. I do actually possess a sporting trophy, which I got decades after leaving school. Um, Is it one you got printed yourself? No, it's the Leeds Castle Team Standard Distance Triathlon winner. Just to be confusing everyone, Leeds Castle's not in Leeds. So my job was to swim the moat at the castle twice. And then a much better cyclist and a much better runner made up all the time that I'd lost. And we won because I've become a massive triathlon ball. And I'm you one, have, yes, I can confirm. I'm one of those terrible people who posts pictures of themselves in lycra, even though they have bits <laughs> hanging out. Do you have one of those odd wetsuits that don't have any arms? Yes, I do have one of those. Um, oh no, you're one of those I, people. <laughs> I was going to say that the, the tri-suit is basically a woman's leotard, if you can picture that, and it isn't very far different. <laughs> I don't know if I want a picture of it. It's not, honest. well you can have a look at all the pictures I've posted, it's not much different from what female ballet dancers wear. But we all squeeze ourselves into it, and we haven't been able to do any this summer. He has actually got the tutu as well. (laughs) (laughs) I think it might might improve my terrible triathlon times. There are a a few show-offs, because when I was at that triathlon, there was a guy showing off about being an Ironman. That's just like an incredibly long distance where you end up, I think, running a, a marathon at the end. But literally, he was in the water for about a minute before he just swallowed half the moat and had to be dragged out and then was just <laughs> chundering at the side of the moat. So, you know, never show off. It will always come back and bite you, always. I did do a Tough Mudder 10k thing uh, a couple of years ago. I don't know if anyone has anyone heard of one of those. It's basically where you just have to, like, crawl through loads of mud and you get mud chucked on you and you have to go down slides and swim in cold water and all sorts of horrible stuff yeah i regretted that one a lot um well i thought it would be fun when i signed up for it and then i went and did it and then had to have a freezing cold shower afterwards to get all the mud off and i kind of regretted it um 
But it sounds cool to say that I've done it. I um, remember listening to people giving inspiring stories about how doing some sport raises your endorphin levels and you feel good and all this. So I was suckered in for this. This was many years ago. And I went to the gym for a good six months, two or three times a week. And I trotted along on that stupid running machine and did not feel one iota better, happier, fitter or anything. So I, I put it to you. All exercises bunkum. Did you, however, keep up your diet of cheese sandwiches and Jaffa cakes, or did you try and eat greens? As if I'm ever going to quit my diet of cheese sandwiches. <laughs> That's just not going to happen. <laughs> Can we, at this point, review how the podcast is going now? We briefly touched upon it earlier, but... I think we've all been surprised that we have genuine non-bot listeners from as far afield as Canada and New Zealand. I think the furthest north is Edmonton in Canada. I know of it slightly because my friend used to work on the local TV station there, which I think is called CITV. And Christchurch, New Zealand, I think is the furthest south. And that's not bad going, is it? I think that's amazing. I uh, I genuinely thought we'd have about five listeners, um, of which four of them would be related to one of us. So I'm amazed that people have listened to the first one and the second one and then the third one. Um, so, yeah, I think it's in- incredible. And it's really nice to think that, you know, people are listening to us all over the world. Um, and, yeah, long may it continue. It is splendid, but I'm curious to know if any of the people in the locations we listed as our least favourites have been in touch to uh, defend I was worried their about territories. This. I was, and so I, I went to look at the analytics to discover that we, we don't have any listeners around the Las Vegas area. Okay. <laughs> Where else did we slag off? Apart from John Travolta. They've got more interesting things to be doing, let's be honest. I'm hoping our fans are our genuine fans and not fans of cruising the cut the blue riband of youtube narrowboat channels because dave is this true that when the pandemic struck you were actually on a tour down under with your new zealand fans i was in new zealand yes just as the um thing was all starting to kick off uh and so i got a lot of slagging off for having gone to new zealand but uh, it had only just started and i'd spent a lot of money on it so yeah i went and had a lovely time, actually. I was in North Island in a the tiniest camper van that was really a car that somebody had pulled some of the seats out and, and called a camper van. And I was gadding about in that. And then suddenly, a week before I was due to come back, all the airports started closing. And there are only so many routes out of New Zealand to get back to the UK, notably through Australia and Singapore. And initially... They started saying, well, you can't come into Australia or Singapore. And I thought, OK, that's not too bad. And then they said, well, now you can't transit through Australia and Singapore. And suddenly this became a problem. And uh, there was a lot of stress and a lot of trying to buy new flights. And it came down to me buying a whole new flight home a week earlier than planned. And then I got to the check-in desk. Well, I was lucky to get that because a lot of people couldn't even get the flights, at least not unless they wanted to spend about five grand, which was just ridiculous. I got mine at what I would call a normal price. But I got to the check-in desk 
And they said, oh, no, you can't because it had to be rerouted. So you now have to do an internal flight in Australia. And that constitutes entering Australia. And you can't enter Australia. Um, and then I had to do a little bit of shenanigans and rebooking and finally managed to um, get back. So it was all rather exciting. By exciting, I mean terribly stressful. I'm more intrigued by how come you were on a tour down under. Did your fans just say, please come, Dave, please come and speak to us? No, I think you're rather mistaking the uh, the nature of the tour, which was me thinking I fancy a holiday and let's not do the whole, but you live on a boat. It's a permanent holiday because that is simply not the case. We've I've done that already, don't worry. <laughs> you, well, yes. I fancied a trip down under. Were you not slightly tempted to stay when uh, it was all kicking off? Uh, yes and no. They had very little um, of the pandemic down there. They locked down and they've had very few cases. So in one sense, good. But equally, I'd still be there now. And for however many months. And the problem would have been... <laughs> well, the problem is one of money and, you know, where to put True. myself and just the normal everyday practicalities of life. Oh, by the way, uh, I might be changing the uh, topic of conversation slightly, but how does everybody react to the news that the clap for carers is due to be ending after this week? Well, I keep forgetting about it until about one minute past eight. and I keep hearing this weird noise outside and think something terrible is happening. And then I realise it's people clapping and I run out looking like this very much latecomer who's just realised because everyone else is clapping. So for the sake of my conscience, I'm quite pleased it's going to end. I feel like it's getting a bit lacklustre now. I don't know about where you guys are, but um, yeah, people are still doing it on my road, but it's um, definitely lost some of the pizzazz that I think it had at the beginning. We've got a lot, lot less uh, saucepans now. It feels like people are sort of doing it out of social obligation now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But I'm still looking forward to my first, actually, because I've, I've <laughs> the last two weeks, the first one I was putting the bin out, which turned out to be a much longer process than I thought. And by the time I went outside, there were just a couple of neighbours talking among themselves and looking at me like I was a bit silly. And last week, goodness knows what I was doing, I just forgot. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to, to the debut, really, while you're all winding down. I was just going to say, I'm a big football fan, a fan of West Ham in the English Premier League, and I've always loved the chance as well. So Arsenal used to have a good one for their player, Patrick Vieira. My old man has a second-hand Sierra, ooh, Pat Vieira, which I was a big fan of. Uh, I support West Ham, as I say, Rio Ferdinand's a retired player. And when he goes back, they sing, and this is really good, his name is Rio and he watches from the stands. But the best one, my favourite... That doesn't even rhyme. That's terrible. I think you've lost the younger audience there, Derek. I know. That's why I'm pressing on. Because my (laughs) favourite is the Scottish fans when they played Italy in a World Cup qualifying match in Italy and the Scots sang, deep fry your pizzas, we're going to deep fry your pizzas. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think the best thing... I think the best thing was... What was that World Cup where everyone got those um, really loud... The Voo Zaylers. That, that was Brazil, wasn't it? really loud noises. Whatever yeah, happened to favorite. the Voo Zaylers? Has someone just got a room of those in like an Amazon warehouse <laughs> somewhere? <laughs> I think we've established, all of us, that we're not sports stars. Speak for yourself. 
Have you seen my goblet of glory? They gave me a tankard for uh, winning that team relay event. He has got a trophy cabinet in his spare room. <laughs> Look, I've seen the pictures of Derek in his uh, triathlon gear, and believe me, you do not want to see them. <laughs> I think our listeners would want to see it. <laughs> I can tell you about my new lockdown hobby. My new lockdown hobby is that I've been attempting to learn the splits over the last eight weeks. Is that a hobby? <laughs> I think it's a hobby. It is quite I hard mean, it's to a do. challenge. You've actually that. posted a picture of that, which made my eyes water just looking at it. I have to say. Yeah, I'm not no, about ten centimeters away from the floor now. I'm actually like really close, which is actually quite exciting. How does one practice that? Uh, you have to just like stretch your legs for like an hour at a time, a few times a week. What are you going to do with this newfound um, talent? <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I don't really know how useful it's going to be in sort of everyday life. It I could just, just be a conversation a... stopper in the street, you know, when the conversation's <laughs> not going that well. <laughs> just just do splits, your way out of yeah. it. <laughs> I felt like I probably should take up, you know, I don't know, cooking or or baking or something like that as a hobby. Um, but instead I've just resorted to uh, drinking lots of wine and not looking at myself in the mirror. They're probably my two main lockdown hobbies. I decided to try and learn how to moonwalk. Remember the old Michael Jackson dance? I got all the moves in, in that, you know, I, I know what they are and how you're supposed to do them, but I still basically just fall over when I do one step backwards. At the moment, it's starting to sound like we could do some sort of weird sort of cabaret performance at the end of lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) Combined skills. (laughs) I'm also disappointed in myself that that's really the only aim and ambition I have in these long, lonely lockdown. I've bought a painting set, uh, watercolours, and it is still in its wrapper. But I look at it... And I think there's there's art there. Is it painting by numbers or is it a proper it's, painting? No, set? no, it's it's blank sheets of paper with watercolour colours and some brushes, and that's as that's as far as I've got. Well, I did take part in. I don't know if you saw this thing on a BBC Four a, a few nights uh, ago. Yeah. They had a two-hour life drawing live with all these life drawing models i didn't have the painting set then but i did have my ipad so i downloaded a painting app and contributed what i like to think are some particularly excellent drawings if you have the drawing skills of a three-year-old uh, and I, I i tweeted them out as you know enthusiastically as they were urging the audience to do and strangely they didn't feature any of mine in the program one of them looked like a ferret were you actually trying to paint a ferret Yes, that was a ferret. That's amazing. I've been doing a lot of gardening. Does that count as a hobby? I think it yes. does, doesn't it? Oh, I think so, yes. Yeah, I, um, I'm definitely becoming very green-fingered during lockdown at the moment. And um, today I planted some seeds in those fancy little trays that people have. Uh, what so seeds yeah. did you plant? We've gone for some green beans and some peppers and we've got some courgettes as well. I don't know how successful any of those oh. are going to be, to be honest, but... Um, yeah, I'm feeling pretty proud of myself, to be honest. If I can keep, keep any of them alive, that would be impressive. When you say a fancy tray, mm. what is a fancy tray as opposed to mm. a tray? Mm. Oh, well, you, I, I just think that to be a proper gardener, you've got to have those fancy little seed trays, haven't you, that everyone seems to have in their, their posh greenhouses. Oh, so you're confusing we've got those fancy now. with small. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I live next to basically the best 
gardeners in Kent and occasionally when somebody comes around my house they go what a lovely garden that's next door that scrubby bit around the back is actually mine (laughs) but they've recently introduced an element of scandal into the street by putting a what do you call artificial turf at the back oh no oh no no that I don't is know controversial. What, I don't know what the equivalent in the narrowboat world is of that, but it's possibly, I don't know, Dra- building draining, it. Draining the canal. <laughs> Best thing I ever saw was somebody who had um, a hammock on the roof of their boat, and they'd actually installed metal brackets that could be raised on the roof of the boat to string the hammock between. Um, that's the only one of those I've ever seen. <laughs> we've actually done reasonably well considering that one none of us are even vaguely sporty and two none of us prepared anything whatsoever plus i actually have to go open water swimming now and squeeze myself into one of those wetsuits so is there any other business before i try and do that very unseemly thing i think we should never talk about sport again (laughs) that's a really good idea the other idea i had is as we have got some very strange people who listen to us, should we actually ask them what we should talk about in future? Because I only had four ideas, and this is podcast number four, so we are basically in trouble from this point on. Yeah, should we remind people of our um, our Twitter and our, our website? Did you say we've got a website now? It's at Tish and Piffle. And perhaps spell that for those of us who can't spell. <laughs> or paint. <laughs> what do you call the A with the circle almost around the at I, I call it at at Tish and Piffle everyone it's on Twitter and write your questions there and we will attempt to answer them <laughs> that, that that's has helped enormously that's not spelling <laughs> what else am I supposed to do? you just said it again <laughs> there are people listening in foreign countries who may not know the finer points of spelling Tish or Piffle well yeah do you know what just, is it alright everyone I've just had, I've just had enough <laughs> On that note, as I squeeze myself into Lycra... Please stop with the squeezing into Lycra. (laughs) No more about Lycra, Derek. Or squeezing. (laughs) Shall we just say goodbye then? Please. Cheerio. See you later. Bye. Tish and Piffle is Sean Elvin, Alice Key, Dave Johns and Derek Johnson. It's a tied up with sticky tape and a bit of string kind of production, isn't it? Let's face it. We may be back, or frankly, we might not bother. But hey, in the meantime, thanks for listening. <laughs>